is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, November 6, 2019, Season 15, Episode number 76. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the NFC East, a little bit about the NFC, where the Cowboys sit, sit and uh, what these guys think about their chances of not only winning the division, but getting into the playoffs, winning maybe the NFC. We'll talk about about all of that. Dave will give us his uh, scouting report on the Minnesota offense in the second segment. Uh, and then Nick also has his uh, write-up that he usually gives us every week on the storylines heading into this game. We'll get into that later in the show as well. But let's start our first talking a little bit about uh, the NFC East. Right now, the Cowboys are leading the division as they have been for the last few weeks, really all season, right? Is there a point this season when they haven't been the leader of the NFC East? I don't know off the top of my head. Maybe like week two? No, because the Eagles lost in week two. Yeah, Yeah. the Cowboys started three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at the worst, they were tied, but they've been in the lead, I guess, since the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think they have. Yeah, so they they are sitting at five and three. Uh, they have Minnesota coming up this week. Philly is at five and four with a bye. Uh, you've got the Giants at two and seven, all but out of it at this point. Uh, they're playing the Jets this week. Don't count out the Jets. And then of course you got the Washington Redskins in last place at one and eight. Uh, they also have a bye. Right now, based on everything you've seen. What's your confidence level on a rating, let's say a rating scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I feel absolutely certain this is going to happen, that the Cowboys win the NFC East? Dave. Nick. Six. Six. Oh, wow. Okay. To win the division. Six. All right. Yeah, I'd say six or a seven. Okay. I mean. They got to go up there and play. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a tough one. What makes you you the most, uh, when you say a six, I mean, is it just the fact that you think it's all going to come down to that Philadelphia game? Well, I mean, they both have tough schedules here, but, I mean, the Cowboys still have to face some tough teams, and they've only beaten one team with a winning record, and that's the Eagles, who just got a winning record the other day. So, I mean, they that's what they were saying yesterday, is that, you know, they're going to face better teams, and when they face better teams, how do they handle it? But this is a team that's lost to the worst team in football, and they've, you know, they've only, they haven't beaten a lot of tough teams, so... I think that they probably can and will, but it's not, not. that's why I say six. six. It's not even the Eagles that give me pause. Like, the Cowboys have been so good against the division. They're 17-5 and five since mm-hmm. Dak took over. They swept the Eagles last year. They beat the crud out of them a couple weeks ago with a banged-up team. I know the Eagles were missing guys, too, but whatever. Um, it's everything else. It's everything else that worries me. I mean, this is a team that lost to the Jets. This is a team that has already lost tiebreakers to the Saints and the Packers. I know that doesn't matter for NFC East purposes, but they haven't handled business outside of kicking ass in the division. Again, I know that's what's important to winning the division, but you got to play a lot of other games. You've played four of your six division games, so those gimmies are done with. You don't get the Redskins again until the season finale, by which point you would assume it's pretty close to wrapped up. I mean, this, the NFC East hasn't come down to the final week since 2013, I believe, right? When the last time the Cowboys played week 17, 
for the division title. So, and looking at it, okay, when the Eagles come off of their bye, they're off this weekend. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. When the Eagles come off of their bye, they've got two really tough games against the Patriots and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. After that's over, it's scary how easy the schedule is for them because they go Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, then a big game against Dallas, and then the Giants to close it out. Gimmies, basically, for the last like yeah. five, six weeks of the season. Um, so that's that's nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd say, you know, six or seven, depending on the day. That's how I feel. Amber. I feel the same way. I just think it all comes down to what the Eagles are going to be doing for the rest of the year. But I think very well the Cowboys could make it to the top and win the division. Now, my concern is, can they make it past that? That's the big question. You know, it depends how they win these upcoming games. Because if they they win it how they've been winning these ones, I don't feel confident that you're going to get it any further than what you've been in past year whatsoever. So it, it's it's so hard to tell at this point because and it's crazy. We're entering week 10 and we still don't know what the Cowboys really are. You know, so it, it's just it's very confusing. I can see it go either way. Can I just, I love that because AG, I feel like, speaks for the fans more than any of us. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, I'm sitting here like, how can they get to the playoffs? Like, can they win the East? And Amber's like, who cares about that? Are they going to do better than they did last time? (laughs) Like, which, that's probably how most people feel. Like, nobody cares. I mean, obviously, you want to make the playoffs, but I feel like most fans would be like, if you're telling me we're going to make the playoffs and not make it further than we already have in the last two, three years, then just screw it. Why? What are we even doing this for? But that's why we I mean, we do a show every day. So you'll go crazy if you keep doing. Oh, that. of course. That's, and why, well, that's why the other day, like y'all have a different approach than I do. Because if we, it, it, everything is, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to the end? And I get it. Like, what does it mean at the final end? But like. We can't get there, so might as well just ana- you know analyze this one. And- I'm completely with you, and that's I, I don't approach it that way either. But I do appreciate that, and it's good to keep in mind because again, this is a team with a coach in the final year of his contract. I mean, ultimately, that's how it's going to be decided. Even if we don't even know right now if they'll make. I just the playoffs. think like yes, it's great that they won against the the Giants. Obviously, that was a every game is an mm. important game for the Cowboys and any other team, but. To me, it's like when you start looking at this first half of the season, how have they been performing? How have they been winning those games and losing those games? And when you start seeing this pattern of the way they've been playing, it brings the question as to, okay, what happens when they get there? Obviously, there's still a whole second half of the season where it could change completely and they could become that team that we've been seeing in the fourth quarter. They could become that team like starting off in the first quarter. Basically what we saw against the Eagles. But it's just like at this point, as I sit here right now and what I've seen so far, I don't feel very confident of where it's headed. The one thing I will say is if if you believe in the gospel according to Bill Parcells, he used to always say, you don't know. You're not supposed to know at this point what a team really is going to be. Talk to me after Thanksgiving. And if you look around the NFL, I think there are some teams you feel pretty good that they are good teams that are going to be in the mix, your New Orleans. Uh, but what you don't know is those things that are going to happen between now and Thanksgiving that change the complexion of teams. There will be some teams that right now nobody's really talking about that will get on a roll. There will be some teams that have been on a roll that that will, for whatever reason, fall off and, and may not be on a roll by then. So I just think that you know right now it's it's kind of a – 
you know, I, I kind of set you guys up a little bit by asking, you know, mm-hmm. what's going to happen because you really don't know in the NFL, and we watch it every year. You really don't know what's going to happen you know, in the NFL. You can look at this either way you want. If, if you can, you want to be like optimistic about it. You could say, well, you know, five and three, and they've they've blown out every team that that they've you know beaten. I mean, I think the average margin of victory is nineteen, almost three touchdowns every time. They've lost by combined fourteen points, two points, two points, and then ten point to the to the Packers. So you know they're playing relatively close, and they got the you know number one offense in the league, top number six, six defense in the league. So things are looking good there. Or you could take the negative side, which <laughs> they lost to the Jets. You well, can't you get know away what's scary is injuries, and I know it happens yeah. all around the NFL. But the fact that they've had to deal with major injuries, well, or not major, but important guys mm-hmm. that have been injured this early in the season, you know they're not going to be healthy for the rest of the season. They're going to be battling with those, but we've seen how that affects the offense. But the key part in that is, unlike some of the other teams, they haven't got had those guys have to go on IR and lose them for the year. Tyrone Crawford yeah. is probably your most important player that you've lost for the year, and he was a role player, right? So when you start thinking about it from that standpoint – you actually are sitting in, I think, a really good position from an injury standpoint. That it's just you haven't had that major injury just yet to a key player who's out for the rest of the year. That certainly is a positive for this team. I'm thinking. I'm kind of thinking while y'all were talking the irony, and you're absolutely right. But like since the Patriots kind of started this second run of four Super Bowls in a row, it's <laughs> so been. Crazy. I know. I know. That's not so the point. Crazy. Yeah. It's not the point. They've been very like the league's been very top heavy since like 16. Where yeah. I mean, the top two seeds in the conferences are the ones making the Super Bowls. But overall, since the league changed formats in 02, like it's very normal to see a team that was crap in November mm-hmm. make a run to a Super Bowl. The mm-hmm. Giants famously did it a couple twice, of times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Packers, Packers did it. Um, Steelers did, I think, once or twice. It's happened yeah. more times than you can count. And that's so. Yeah, all I mean, it, I get your point that the end result is ultimately what matters, but the odds are some crazy stuff's going to happen in the second half of the season. You know, you for look better what, or for worse. He's hard. You look what the Patriots did with getting Mohamed Sanu, and I think that that's a move that the Cowboys. Now, I'm not saying they should have done that one, but I am a little concerned about the receiver position in the depth. If they're if everyone's healthy, they're fine. But if not. This team can get, lose to the Jets. I mean, Amari Cooper plays that game. They win by 14 points, if not more. The Jets can't play that way, and they're going to go in up and down the field on them. But after Cooper and then Gallup, it really drops off because Cobb and Tavon are not outside receivers, really, and Devin Smith and Cedric Wilson are barely in the league. So let me ask you this. Devin no. Smith wasn't available anyway. For the Jets game, I mean, just saying. I'm just saying. Wait, I mean, I'm saying, but if you had an injury, I'm talking about the depth of, oh, you of mean your overall, team. Oh, you mean I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a spot. I mean, you don't have, you know, the d- defensive line rotation. You don't have a Sean Lee you could put in here, or Joe Thomas you could put in. I, I don't, I don't trust what's going on at receiver in the back end. I think they need some more depth there. Do you think that is a normal? a normal occurrence around the league, or is that particular to this team? And the reason why I ask yeah. that question is because if you look over the last several years with this team, it seems like there's always that. Like, you look, well, we can't play without Tyron, so that's why they lost that game. Well, they can't play without Sean Lee, that's why they lost that game. Can't play without Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, that's why they lost that game. Is that a typical occurrence around the league, do you think, or is this something that the Cowboys, for whatever reason, there are just players that when they're out, it just well, everything goes goes crazy. I, I think it's it's 
specific to the Cowboys because I think their backups are not um, all-around receivers like Gallup and Cooper. They they really don't have all-around receivers. They they have these other guys that they're, they want to put them in in packages and things like that. But if somebody goes down, you're asking Tavon to go out there and run routes, line up correctly. You know, and that's not always going to happen. So I think the depth at receiver it could be a problem because we've already seen if they don't have their top guy, you know, things change. I do. I mean, that that's a problem for everybody in the NFL injuries, but, like, the best teams overcome it all the time. And, you know, I keep saying I, that paint-by-numbers analogy, like, that's the Cowboys to a T. Like, I, it never feels like they game plan – First of all, they don't always game plan to take advantage of the other team's weaknesses, do what we do, and they don't it's like they don't want to admit it when they have a problem like that. I mean, we've covered this before, mm-hmm. but they never you, you never see them switch it up drastically to account for a deficiency. They typically just try to do what they always do with a lesser player. Sometimes it works out like Cam Fleming and Brandon Knight handled it pretty well. Chaz Green not so much. And they didn't adjust. I mean, yeah, even throughout the game, no, they didn't they, adjust. Yeah. It's it's maddening. And, you know, Poor and guy. I always I say know. it's, you know, I think Jason Garrett probably gets a little bit too much hate, but that is a valid criticism. And it's it just is what it is. Like a little bit. A little bit. Like, hate. not. He deserves plenty of criticism. <laughs> right. It's probably a little too much, but that is not one. That that's, is not an area where he gets too much criticism. That's like you're saying don't, you know. Don't don't message me about this, okay? You know, like from fans saying nah, just a little too much. I mean, I understand. I hear no, you. Out I, there, but you're <laughs> well. well I, it happens everywhere. I mean, you know, I don't think it's Jason Garrett's fault that Tony Pollard drops a screen pass. I think right. I said that yesterday. I do think it's Jason Garrett's fault that they don't come up with more creative or more um, varied game plans or try to work around their own deficiencies or the opponent's deficiencies. All right, we're going to take our first break. We'll come back. We're going to let Nick talk a little bit about some of the storylines heading into this game versus the Vikings uh, this Sunday night. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer, where you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses. You can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Ready? Okay. Give Give me an S. S. Give me an O. O. Give me an S. S. Give me an O. O. What's that spell? So-so. Are we going to win? Not if we play like we cheer. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and 
on command. That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. To the break. Welcome back. Second segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're going to go now to Nick Eatman. Let him talk a little bit about some of the storylines heading into this game versus the Vikings. What you got? Well, Dalvin Cook's leading the league in rushing, and uh, he comes in here 894 rushing yards. He's good. He's pretty good. He's averaging 99 yards a game, so that's that's yeah. pretty good. He's played nine games. Zeke's 94 or 93, so he's he's where's Zeke ranked right now? Do you sixth. Know? Sixth, okay. Yep, that's one of the Cowboys storylines, but I'm just going to focus on the right, Vikings. We'll get to that ones. when we get to it, yeah. yeah. Is it weird? Sorry to interrupt. Like, I don't even think about that anymore because, like, Zeke has just been at or near the top for so long that I just assume he's up there somewhere. Like, you know, if I'm sure, like, the Panthers are probably tracking Christian McCaffrey's progress because he's, you know, this is, I don't know, it's new territory for them to yeah. have this great running back, and I'm just like, yeah. McCaffrey's leading the league in all-purpose yards, 1244, and Cook's right there at 1232. So he's catching all the ball, purpose, running, yeah. doing mainly running, but, I mean, he's he's really good, and uh, he's healthy, you know, which is it's good for them. So He's going to be a problem. Who's not healthy? Adam Thielen is not healthy. He suffered a, a hamstring injury. Um, they tried to. He missed a couple games. Tried to bring him back last week. Got hurt again. So mm-hmm. he's probably not going to play. Um, there, Stephon Diggs is playing pretty well. They also have Josh Dotson. So he's excited about a homecoming. He's off of IR. Uh, he's from TCU, from Mansfield. So he's from you know Mansfield local. Legacy. Oh, Jesus. Okay. okay. <laughs> Um, Kaden and I went to the same, well, similar school. You went to Mansfield? Yeah. Mansfield Legacy? No. Oh, she no. went to Mansfield. I was teammates with Josh Doxson at Mansfield Legacy. Mm. You were teammates with him? Wow, yeah, I bet that we was a same, formidable uh, duo right everything. there. What position did you play? Oh I was God. corner. He was wide receiver, so we went against each other every day. Who won that battle, Kaden? <laughs> Who won that battle? I, I actually no, won no, a couple you didn't. times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Over five years, I won a couple times, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, All right. Good. Two times over an NFL player. I'll take that. All right. All right. All right. So, by the way, that was another, Caden Gates, yeah. one of our producers. So, for you guys that are listening to that voice and don't know who it Let is, let me add a Kaden. point real quick sure, for that storyline. So, the Vikings are signing Caden Gates as a corner this week. <laughs> uh, probably need to him. Help them out. Uh, big plays. Kind yeah. of a problem uh, for them last week. 91 yard touchdown they gave up. So, they're wor- worried about that. Also, 40 yard touchdowns to Tyreek Hill. A, 40, a couple of 40-yard plays to Tyreek Hill. So yeah. he's fast, and they don't have anybody on the team like that. But still, that's a problem. Dan Bailey comes back. He's been 13 of 15 this year. Danny B. Missed, missed two extra points. He missed, missed two one last goals, week. But he's Wait, missed two extra points. Two what, Two extra points he's missed, and two, but he's been perfect on field goals. Two field goals. He's missed two field goals. Oh, missed two field goals. Okay. And I Do you know the distance on him? I uh, don't. Right. I, don't. I don't either, but he's been good enough to win special teams player of the week twice. I mean, yeah. he's having a pretty decent Maher season. Maher has missed Much five field goals, left here. 13 of 18. So yeah. Maher's missed five. And then 
Kirk Cousins comes back. He's one and six with the uh, against the Cowboys, all with the Redskins. This is his first game against mm-hmm. the Vikings. He's third in the NFL, one twelve as a uh, quarterback rating. So, I feel like that kind of steals some of Dave's things that he talks. Maybe, about. but Dave's gonna oh, go deeper. We'll be much okay. deeper. We'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, I was watching tape of the Vikings. Uh, I was watching them last night and yesterday afternoon on Game Pass and. I thought about it because, you know, Lizzo's really popular right now. So I was thinking, this is a, a, a new plan for the Minnesota Vikings instead of a, yeah. You get it. New man. No, ah, there you go. I well, should have sung it. When when I heard <laughs> I that, I thought they were talking about Terrence Newman for the Minnesota Vikings. New man on the Minnesota Vikings. That's true. Is he still there? No, he's not. Damn it. Yeah, he's He decided not to play his <laughs> 24th season with the league. So we'll stick with new plan for the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. Hmm. No? All right. Um. Yeah, Dick, Nick did cover a lot of that, but... But let's go deeper. I don't, I'm not saying Deep it's... Blue. A, I'm not saying... It, maybe it's a coincidence that Mike Zimmer and Jason Garrett are really familiar with each other, but this offense feels like Jason Garrett's fantasy, honestly. I looked mm. at the stats on this because, like, you know, I typically, like, I, I write down the starting roster, then I watch, you know, I watch a series or two, yep. and then I start looking at stats, and, like, I was struck immediately. I was like, this offense is all tight ends and fullbacks and just super pro style. So I went and looked. The Vikings. Play 11 personnel, which is three receivers, like the base formation or the base personnel in the NFL, 29% of the time. Hmm. That's insane. Like, I mean, for those of y'all that aren't aware, I mean, the average NFL team lines up in 11 personnel somewhere between 60 and 80% of the time. The Cowboys do it 77%. And we think of them as being conservative. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um they play 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, 34% of the time, and 21 personnel, which is two backs, 23% of the time. And that's not like a Zeke-Tony Pollard situation. They they got their fullback out there a quarter of the time, at least recently. It's and working I, for the running game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it, it works in their passing game for the most part. I mean, they're 16th. They're 16th passing. They're not great, but they also have a great running game. So they do what they want for the most part. Um, And I don't think that's going to change this week because Adam Thielen's probably not going to play. So Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith Jr., the Alabama tight end, he's a rookie. Get to know those names. Um, I wrote his name down. Where is he? Um, Oh, yeah, C.J. Hamm. That's the... I love that name. For I do a too, actually. CJ Ham. Uh he's got decent hands, hams, uh, for a fullback. He, You're just full of them today, I I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Stay focused, Dave. Um Yeah, it's funny because like as much pub as Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen got a couple years ago when they made it to the NFC title game, eh, it ain't it ain't there for him this year. Injuries is probably part of that, but like Dalvin Cook is their number two receiver. They throw to him a lot. He's got he's played more games, but he's averaging two more touches per game than Zeke. Just to give you an idea of like how much they lean on him, he's caught the ball thirty three times. I think they've targeted him forty. Um, they love play action again. Like your running game works as well as it does. Like they get Cousins on the move a lot. A lot of bootleg stuff. A lot of. Uh, misdirection stuff. Trying, I think, trying to get him easy throws. It sounds, it sounds weird to say, but I almost feel like the Vikings are afraid of their quarterback, for lack of a better word. Um, Not a positive sign. I just, I think they want to make stuff easy for him and give him time 
because I don't have the stat in front of me, unfortunately, but like he's he's not good when pressured, or at least was not in this most recent game. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Like the Chiefs put bodies on him and he missed a lot of throws in that game to the point that Zimmer actually even came out and was talking about like how it looked like his mechanics were off. Um he was nineteen of thirty eight in that game. And and we're not talking bombs away. Like I charted it. He missed six passes like that were to the flat or like, you know, five, six yards down the field, like not difficult stuff. Um but yeah, this is this is a pro style team. Like I don't I you're not going to see more than two receivers on the field very often, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Rudolph and, and Smith can both flex out, so that gives you a little bit of versatility there. But a lot of guys piled up on the line of, line of scrimmage. Um, O-line's been a bugaboo for them for years. I mean, it's been a talking point. I would have thought it would be better than it looked against the Chiefs. They have Pat Elfline playing left guard. He was a pretty highly regarded guy coming out of Ohio State. Did not play well. And then they spent a high pick on a uh, center by the name of Garrett Bradbury. I remember Brian loved him on the draft show. And I was just like, oh, well, he'll be good. Kind of like Travis Frederick. Like, you just plug him in there and he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He got bullied. Uh, he got bullied in this game against the Chiefs. So think about the fact that the Cowboys have Michael Bennett now. Malik Collins looked really good. I'm very encouraged about the ability to push the pocket on this offense, which is why I think you're going to see a lot of play action, a lot of moving the pocket to try to offset that. Not just play action, but like bootlegs and stuff to try to just eliminate the need for Cousins to stand still. Um, I don't like, I don't know. I don't see him getting the ball out as quickly as like an Aaron Rodgers or an Eli Manning in his day, but I think they're going to design a lot of stuff to take the pressure off him to just stand back in the pocket because that hasn't gone well for him yeah um one thing i'll i'll note right there is you going back to when you're talking about the personnel they use um i wonder how much van der Esch injury now plays into that because one of the things i've noticed from the cowboys uh or there have been games this season where they have they have tried very hard to stay within their base defense, even when the other team went to 11 personnel, they still tried to keep their four-down linemen, three linebackers on the field. This is a game where it doesn't seem like that team, the, the opposing team even goes to 11 personnel very frequently, which means that they really can't stay in that base defense, which means all three linebackers stay on the field a little bit more. We'll see how that goes with, with Lake Van Der Esch and, and what happens there. Yeah, this will seem like a kind of one of those old-school type, yeah. type matchups there. But you know, Rudolph and Smith—they don't have a ton of catches, right? No, they. I mean, they've been fine. They're not. They have not to this point been dynamic. I think they're both. They're both pretty well rounded. Like I both. They they both block pretty well. Smith. Well, for a rookie who's seen as more of a pass catcher, like yeah. I'm not saying he's Martellus Bennett, but he can get the job done. Which again, like I would assume they're going to lean on the run game. Another, I'm, I'm just reading notes I jotted down. Like, you don't need to be told this, but Cook is the type of guy who can do, he can just generate it himself. Like, there are two or three plays per game where nothing will work the way it's supposed to, and he still turns it into, you know, maybe not 30 yards, but like six, 10 yards. Yeah. Um, wide receivers only caught five of 19 passes in this Chiefs game. Um, 
Again, like, and the funny thing is, so again, boot boot action everywhere, throwing to tight ends in the flat, throwing to running backs in the flat. Amir Abdullah, who you might remember, is with the Vikings now, so that gives them a scat back option. But by the fourth quarter of this game, the Chiefs had just sniffed it all out. Like the stuff that was working in the first quarter just stopped working because Cousins wasn't throwing downfield. Again, like you didn't see much in the way of like take the snap, stand in the pocket, and look. Like, they didn't do hardly any of that. Like, it was all stuff that kind of got him on the move or very obvious, like, designed reads where, you know, there might be three receivers on the field, but you you know where it's going. Like, the stuff that Dak does with, with Witten and Jarwin, to be honest with you. Um, and by the fourth quarter, it just wasn't working. So I would assume they're going to need to get more aggressive in this game because I think the Cowboys can limit the run well enough. You saw that last week. Uh, and and without Thielen, there's not a ton that scares you. They've, they've got Laquan Treadwell, who may be the biggest whiff of my draft prognosticating yeah. career. I thought he was going to be Dez 2.0, and he barely has a role on this team. Um, I'm not saying they're not good enough to hurt you. I mean, they have a top 10 red zone offense. They're 11th in scoring. And again, like the run game on its own. And obviously, like we've seen Cousins throw for 450 in this building before. I just don't know. I don't think they're as explosive as they have been in the past, even those Redskins offenses. It almost sounds like this is a very similar um, scouting report to last week. You got a team that can run the ball really, really well, that makes a concerted effort to run the ball really, really well. They have one or two options that can get you in the passing game, but by and large, you don't look at their pass their their passing game as being com- just really great. Um, and if you can get pressure on their quarterback, you can affect the game, right? It sounds like it's a very similar game plan to what you saw last week and one that the Cowboys defense executed pretty well. Other yeah. than, you know, just having a more veteran guy at quarterback. Although, which yeah, but as, as they're saying, that's part of the, but even with that, he's still like pressure gets him. Like yeah. pressure is the problem for him. I, I argued with you yesterday. I still maintain like Cousins has played some really good games against the Cowboys, but like, does it, does he like genuinely scare you? No, not he doesn't scare me in the sense of you know it it kind of went viral on Sunday. Just I feel like it's maybe a microcosm of who he is. I think they had third and seven, and the play broke down, and he made a great play to scramble, and then he slid after six yards. I mean, he that, had the first down easy, and he slid too soon, yeah, and that's just that. kind of like who he is. I have a play like that too. Dak's rookie year, uh, sixteen, the Cowboys won that game. I think. 27, 23. It was pretty close. It was a fourth down play, fourth and 10. They're down to their own 20-yard line or whatever, and they got some pressure, and he threw the ball away. That that was the game. Like two minutes to go, fourth down, there's the Instead game. Instead of trying to fourth just make 10, a play. He just throws it out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? Like, that, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm – and that was a few years ago, but it's like hmm, – okay. I, I thought about this while I was – I don't know if I wrote it down, but while I was watching, like, he is – He's everything you want in a quarterback as long as everything goes according to plan. Like, if the protection's there... Which, by nature, is not the quarterback position. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. But, like, if everything's perfect, he can hurt you. Like, he's got a great arm. He made a great throw Stafford. to Rudolph. Yeah, I... I, I Stafford's li- got a little more... I, I like Stafford that. a lot more yeah. than you do, but yeah. I hear what you're saying. I mean... Uh, but he had a great throw to Rudolph in the back back of the end zone in this game where it went through three defenders. Again, perfectly clean pocket, had time to stand there, wasn't really harassed. Like The minute somebody gets pushed back into him or the protect, protection breaks down or somebody's not open or whatever, it just 
I don't I don't trust him. I don't trust him to improvise or make those gut check type of plays. I think that's a huge difference. Not just in this game, but like that's what I love so much about Dak is it's not always picture perfect, but he does make those type of plays. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back. Let's get some calls. You guys call us 888-855-2297. Again, it is 888-855-2297. We'll take some calls when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer, where you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses. You can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting Essilor US Essilor. See more, do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say... It's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to the break. Hey, uh, in case you didn't know this, I mean, the AT&T Stadium can host a championship game. It's possible. Big 12 Conference Championship Game. What? They've hosted some championship games. I was at the championship game. Not NFC, of course, but Big 12. And you have a chance to watch this game this year, September, December the 7th. It's a Saturday. The top two teams from the Big 12 Conference will be there. Kickoff is at 11 a.m. That's not great for that. But don't miss your opportunity to get tickets before they sell out. Not sure who's going to be in the game. You were so ex- kind of got a feeling who's not going to be. You were so excited about that game Tech, last Tech. year. I was not. I, not I had a reason year. to be excited yeah. about and they were that there. game last year. <laughs> so hey, I don't think I'm too excited to, about it this year. Saw the the committee took all the credit for beating Texas away from LSU last night. They yeah, were like, they no, we're not impressed by that anymore. Right. That well, after we lose the way we lost, yeah, I mean, I like, yeah. So, so there's there's no credit to be given. Get a chance to go watch Oklahoma or Kansas State or Baylor, Baylor. or. I don't know. I don't know who else can get in there. Texas, yeah, maybe? Yeah, I think it's going to be Baylor and Oklahoma. Don't miss your opportunity <laughs> to get your tickets. I'm so glad I don't care about college football. Eh. So you're not going to go to SeatGeek.com to you get don't your tickets? Wanna be, you don't want to be consumed by stress on the, <laughs> you know, that's the, what it is. the it other really day is of the weekend? Yes. It really is stressful. It really is very stressful. College football is way more stressful Cowboys. for me than NFL football. I would think, No doubt about it. I would think selling tickets to this game, it would be tough before you know what's happening, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, you don't know who's going to be there. Right. Last year, you did. You bought your tickets. I booked open mine in, in, in. Yeah, after they beat Oklahoma, I went and bought them last year. All so. right. But I won't be doing that this year. So there'll be more tickets for you guys. Cool. All right. We appreciate you joining us. Let's uh, let's get into uh, some phone calls. You guys can call us 888-855-2297. Uh, we will start first with a call from Chris in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Chris, what up? How's it going? Hey. Good. How are you? Um, got a question. Um, has to do with the the DBs. That play on that pass to uh, Golden Tate that was on uh, Byron Jones. It's a great catch by him. But have you guys noticed that most of the DBs now around the league, and especially with the Cowboys, on back shoulder passes, they seem to want to, if I want to use a basketball reference, they want to get into like a rebound position hands-on with the guy instead of actually turning sideways and being able to look at the ball to actually go get the ball. Um, that's what I kind of noticed around the league now. <clears throat> but um, I see it more with the Cowboys, especially Byron Jones lately than a lot of times with a Wouzier. Uh, didn't know if you guys had noticed that or wanted to talk about that a little bit. All right, thanks for the call. We've talked about it specifically with Cheeto and how it just doesn't ever seem like he plays the ball, which, like, in my head, I'm like, well, maybe they're coaching him that way because it's so easy to draw a DPI, but the quickest way to draw a DPI, in my experience, yeah, is by not, not the ball. playing yeah. the ball. Um, I don't have an awesome answer for you, unfortunately. I think somebody, um, our friend Bobby Belt had a great stat. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to ruin it. But basically, Jordan Lewis has way more takeaways in way fewer games than any other DB on the roster. And maybe and yeah. by this point in his career, Byron Jones made a joke about it himself. Like, he has bad ball skills. He just does. Uh, and it seems fair to question that about Cheeto as well at this point, too. Um, even though he has made some crazy athletic plays. One of those was in the preseason. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe that's just a, a factor of, well, if you don't trust your ball skills, then try to trust your coverage instead. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really worried about, you know, if guys are going to make catches like that. I mean, there's not much you could do. You, you'll take the percentages that the player is not going to make that catch all the time. But I don't I don't have a good answer as far as how they're playing the back shoulder fade and all that stuff. And I mean, it, if it's thrown correctly, it, it's really almost impossible to, to stop. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of wish the Cowboys would do it more. I wish the I Cowboys, would. and I, I don't understand why teams don't do it more. Uh, why you have to do it right by the goal line? Think, I mean, if it's third and two or third and three, you even have a more of an advantage because you have all this room where you can run by somebody. If you do a back shoulder fade at midfield, like you're going to probably be wide open. Wasn't there? It seemed like to me, and this may have been four or five years ago. It seemed like that was like. A lot. It was used a lot more in the NFL. It seemed like there was a period where back shoulder fades were happening every week in every game, and now it doesn't seem like you see that nearly as normally as you saw it back then. I don't know. I don't, for whatever I don't reason, that's just how it. it felt to me. Is that it felt like you know, that was a a very in vogue thing to do. Marcus years ago. Marcus Colston made a Pro Bowl career yeah. basically only catching that pass. Yes. Um, I will say this and. This is a story point with when Dez was still here, the you know, the last two years of his career. I I think you gotta have a, a really, really accurate quarterback to really make your living throwing that pass. And I think Dak is more accurate than he gets credit for, but I don't know if that's a route that he really excels at. And we saw it not really work out right before Dez left town. 
So, again, he's more accurate than he gets credit for. But to really excel at that, like Drew Brees is incredible at it because he can put the ball exactly where he wants Mm -hmm. to every single time. I don't think that's Dak's specialty. And maybe that's why they've kind of gone away from it. All right, let's get a call from Horace in Atlanta. Horace, what up? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, um, I've been, I feel like a lot like about what Amber said, you know. My expectations coming into the season were just out the roof. I expected us to be in the Super Bowl. And, you know, feel like we have the talent to do that. But if we don't get to the championship game, which I really don't feel like our coaching will allow us to, and I say that because if you look at how we played against the Jets, you know, for example, not once did we ever really blitz them. And you look at the other, some of the other, you know, Belichick, some of the other guys, they didn't give that guy any time whatsoever. They blitzed him, and he folded up like a lawn chair. And to me, that is what your coaching has to do. They have to see these weaknesses and exploit them. And our coaches just don't do that. And that is what is really depressing me, I guess, about this season. We have so much talent, and yet we just can't seem to get out of our way. And that, to me, is coaching. And so, yeah, David, I understand what you're saying. You don't want to throw it all on Garrett. But you know what? When it comes down to it, he is the head coach. He is the he is the straw that stirs the glass. You know, he makes that team. They make that's why they make uh, give awards and call these you know trophies Lombardi trophies and stuff because these guys motivated men to do better than what they can do. So he needs to do better. If our team needs to get to that hump, I, I, I expect more from him. All right, thanks for the call. I which I agree with what he just said for the most part. Is again. I don't think it's Jason Garrett's fault when a player drops a wide-open pass that could have been a touchdown. But, yeah, not really blitzing Sam Darnold, not doing anything to make him uncomfortable. I remember, I don't know if it was Jets week or the maybe it was even this week heading into the Giants game, Chris Richard, like, it sounds really good. It sounds like this awesome quote where he's like, we don't really we're not really focused about what they do. We talk about this all the time. He's like, it's not about them. It's not about what they're doing. It's about us. And are we executing our stuff? And like, it sounds great until you really think about it. Like, so you're going to approach a rookie quarterback the same way you would like Drew Brees. Like you you don't change anything about the way you're going to do this. You're not, you're going to throw nothing different at this guy as if it was another guy. Like you don't think you can get away with zero blitzing Sam Darnold a little bit easier than Tom Brady. Uh, Yeah. And I, it's disconcerting to me, and I think it's a deficiency of this coaching staff and has been for a while. It's interesting that he mentioned Lombardi there because what I've read, read of Lombardi is he was actually the Jason Garrett type of head coach. He was more of that line of thinking of we're going to have a certain few things that we do extremely well. Like We're going to be so good at these few things that we're not going to necessarily go into a game and do things differently to address what the other team has a deficiency in. We're just going to do these things really, really well. And we feel like if we can do those things really, really well, we can win most of our games, if not all of our games. And obviously did that for a very long time to great success. And and not only that, but he, he mentioned like they can motivate men. That's the part that I actually think Jason does a pretty good job at. I think he does a really good job of motivating his team. Where I kind of agree with the caller, though, is I really would like for this team to adapt more to those situations because I believe the best coach in the NFL today, in today's NFL and how it looks today, Bill Belichick, that's what he does. And I, I it's, it's kind of baffling to me that no other coaches – well, I shouldn't say no other coaches – but it doesn't seem like anybody's been able to figure out – 
that this formula that he's using of being able to adapt every week to whoever he's playing and take away their best offensive weapon, that is going to happen every single week. You just look at the numbers. Whoever's the best offensive player, they're going to take him away. Mm. And then, I'm sorry? Well, I mean, he is coming off of just getting killed by Lamar Jackson. Okay, I get that. That that is an anomaly for the New England Patriots. That is totally an anomaly. But every week, they go and they look at the best offensive player and they say, how can we neutralize the best offensive player and force them to win with their second best offensive player, right? That's what they do every week. And so I I love and he, that, and, he and it's every, obviously been extremely yeah. successful. And he did everything he could to get those guys in position, but if you can't tackle, right. you can't catch. And that's where it gets to those, that right. thing we talked about earlier, where at the end of the day, you can't if your guy's missing a, a wide open, you know, screen pass, then that's not on the coach. Well, I will say that. Sorry, Nick, go ahead. Well, just remember about you know one thing when you blitz. I mean, you have a chance to give up ninety yard touchdowns. So. I mean, I don't know if, if, if that scared off them to blitz more, but I mean, if you got a corner who's going to fall down and a, and a safety who's going to misplay the ball for a 92 yard touchdown to an average receiver, it probably is going to limit what you do blitzing more. Now, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done it more, but I mean, that wasn't something they normally do, and they gave up a big one. So I, I would imagine. And that backs them off a little bit like, maybe. Okay, we ain't doing I mean, that again. You know? I kind of disagree with the caller uh, when it comes to the talent. I, I, I think. I don't think this team is as talented as everyone says. I think it's such an easy thing to say. This team's got the talent. They got the talent to be pretty good, but I don't think they've got talent that that's far and above about everybody else. I don't. I think they've got they've got, they're very top heavy. They got a lot of Pro Bowlers, but I don't think they they've got this talented roster. Because if they did, they had all this talent. You don't lose two or three guys and then get beat by the worst team in football. I, I don't think so they have as much talent as you think. It goes we... back to adjusting and what the co- how the okay. coaches adjust. I think I, I always go back to the same reference and just looking at what Chris Richard was able to do with Byron Jones, a guy that everyone was getting ready to get rid of, and here comes Chris Richard and changes everything for for Byron, turning him into a Pro Bowler guy. So. To me, it does come from the coaching. You do have the talent, and it's like, how do you utilize it? And and it it upsets me or frustrates me, I would say, the fact that you look at it, how much resource you have here, and you have a whole staff that looks at other teams and watches their games and gets all this preparation to give to the coaches as they prepare each week to face the opponent. And it's like... How are you preparing? Like you, you, you should have a very, very good idea of what this team is going to look like as far as the opponent, and you should have a great game plan as to, okay, here's A, B, or C, depending on what they do. This is how we're going to attack, and we don't really get to see that. So, I don't know. The I'll, resources are there. You should be doing it. They're not doing it. So I don't know. I'm right there with you in this. I've I've complimented Jason Garrett so many times for the Monday to Saturday motivating. Is it showing up on game days this year? Honestly, I mean, it takes them about a half to really get cranked well, every but, week. But you know something, and, and I, I and again, sorry, I'm the I'm sitting here saying, well, it's not Jason Garrett's fault that guys are dropping passes and getting penalized, and I really I it's hard to determine where to come down on that. But the bottom line is. They haven't. They've come out firing like one time in eight attempts. So who's making the adjustments, though? I absolutely. I or I mean, if it was the other way around and they came out and then kept losing, they would be like, "This team can't make adjustments in the second half." So yeah, I don't know. It's I a mean, sixty-minute game. That's the thing. Like I, yeah. I know that they need to get a faster start. 
I have less of a problem with them having a slow start if they can win. Right, sure. because I look at there's some good teams around the NFL that are similar. Like I've seen Seattle several several times this year get off to slow starts and then they get it going, mm-hmm. and for by the end of the game they win. And so, you're not going to score a touchdown on your on you know you're right. not going to score 21 points in three possessions every week. I understand right. that, but it, it's just the general competency of it all. Like they just they don't seem ready sometimes. And again, I think that's why Amber and I were so down on the Giants win is they started like that against the Packers, who are a good team. And it killed them. But the Giants were not, in my opinion, the Giants game was not a situation of them not being ready. Because if you notice, they were moving the ball. It was mistakes that killed them. So that's not a matter of being ready. Which, that's a matter of being sloppy. Yeah. I'm not trying to put it all at the coaches. Yeah. I'm really not. But again, like if it, it's a combination. Why does right. it, keep, it really is. Yeah. Why does it keep happening? Can't yeah. and that's that's all I'm saying is you're not gonna score a touchdown on every possession, but just do the basic stuff and you'll probably be in a better position. I don't know. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow on normal time, 11.45. We'll uh, get into this Vikings defense. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?